This is Mike Wilbon from ESPN's Pardon the Interruption, and I'm speaking with Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast. Rhino, I just wrapped up a grueling birthday week. It nearly killed me. Four Cubs games, one in San Francisco, three in San Diego. I need a break. Well, you're getting a break now because now we can rest and watch the Cubs uh, have some time at home, and and then they are back out on the road. But um, we'll get into what we thought of that West Coast swing that you were privy to and got to see the majority of those games. Yeah, but, you know, I might end up in uh, Wrigley Field on Friday because it is reopening day. We're going to dig into that. We're going to dig into uh, Patrick Wisdom, the National League Player of the Week. Just came out of nowhere. Nobody for $1,000 could tell me who Patrick Wisdom was a month ago other than his mom, probably. We're going to dig into that. And once again, more injuries for this Cubs team. That's right. But we also have a really cool interview this week. Brenda Hilton, she is a part of a mission called Officially Human. They are trying to do a grassroots effort to encourage young people to become umpires or officials at the high school and college level because there's going to be a shortage one day, Chad. And also on how to uh, maybe talk to some of those aggressive parents when they're at baseball games and maybe how to handle themselves. So So we're going to get into that with her as well. So stick around because the Friendly Confines starts right now. Hi, everybody. I'm Ryan Lieber. He is Chad Gordon. And Chad, let's start as we always do in the first inning and the Cubs finishing up their West Coast road trip with a three and four record. So it's a very easy question. What did you learn about this baseball team after two big series against the San Francisco Giants and the San Diego Padres? Well, as you know, Rhino, I was at four of the seven games. I was at the opener in San Francisco, and then I went to all three in uh, in San Diego. And I saw in the weekend, I saw a team where it just it, the ball didn't bounce their way as it has for the past several weeks. What I saw in San Diego, the last two games were two incredibly dominant wins. I saw a team that was incredibly focused. I saw a pitching staff, especially the bullpen, that was just straight dealing. I mean, what a game by Zach Davies to come in and just shut them down, his former team that uh, that sent him away with the U Darvish trade over seven innings. And then I saw Jake Arrieta looking like an ace for five innings and then the bullpen just shutting down one of the most dominant teams in baseball. And what I also saw was a hodgepodge kind of patchwork lineup on Wednesday didn't have any of the big names in there and that was a 3-1 game and the Padres in that 3-1 game it was never close even with you Darvish their ace on the mound how about you yeah I mean again I you know I think we both went into this West Coast trip thinking that if the Cubs came back and got you know hit pretty hard in this series I wasn't going to panic because I knew that it's never easy to play on the West Coast and you're playing two of the best teams in the National League. And so I'm okay with three and four. Now, I think what we did learn is the San Francisco Giants are very much for real, and they are probably the best team in baseball right now. I mean, this is a very good team. And as much as we talk about David Ross uh, getting consideration for manager of the year, I mean, Gabe Kapler has been probably the best manager in all of baseball this year, the way he has handled this baseball team, and especially a team that – I don't think anybody was talking about going into the year. So for me, I was, you know, 
perfectly happy with the way this team handled themselves on the road. And now they have the opportunity to continue to win some games at Wrigley as, uh, you know, they start, um, you know, getting some more opportunities playing some teams in the NL Central. All right, let's move on to the second inning. Huge, huge day. It hasn't happened into, uh, since uh, September, the third week of September in 2019. Um, this weekend series, for the first time, Wrigley Field will be at 100% capacity. That will be allowed by the city of Chicago. What do you think about uh, the Cubbies being back and opening day 2.0? Yeah, I mean, listen, it shows that we're getting back to normal life, right? I mean, we spent this past year and change, you know, basically isolated from each other. We weren't able to go to sporting events. I mean, you and I remember vividly just having to watch games on TV with no fans in the stands. And it was eerie. And it really just took away from the whole experience of enjoying a sporting event. And now we can, you know, be amongst each other again and not have to worry about social distancing. And, you know, people are getting vaccinated and, you know, we're able to kind of be among each other once again. So it's going to have that electricity. It's going to have that vibe. It's going to really, you know, just be all out. And I know that it's just going to increase the way that this baseball team is going to be playing when they're at home, having the home fans supporting them even more so, having the full 40,000 fans that are allowed into Wrigley Field. It's going to be electric, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Opening day this year and 20 to 25% capacity. I don't even remember. It was one of those two. It was 35 degrees that added to it, but it was like an exhibition game. It was like I've been to one of those Under Armour baseball games and I felt like the crowd was a little more electric for that. And and so it didn't really have the opening day feel, but it did have a special feel. This is going to have a special feel. I mean, the players have noted the, 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 the crowd noise, the fans has really added to the excitement. It's added to, um, you know, uh, just like I said, Javi Baez struggled last year because he didn't have the crowd to play to. I think it's important for some players to play in front of a big crowd on the biggest stage, and Wrigley Field is a huge stage. I love what the Cubs are doing um, in bringing back a lot of big names. They're kind of treating this like an opening day. Friday is going to be a very special day. I mean, they're going to have the flag on the field. They are treating it very special. Now, the concern I have, and I've mentioned this to you before, I'm a Cubs season ticket holder, and i got to tell you, the market is very interesting right now. There are tickets still available for Friday. There are tickets available for the weekend series. And I have kind of postulated that uh, there's a good chance that there's going to be a big portion of, of the baseball fan um, public that is going to decide, you know what, I'm not going to come back. I don't feel comfortable being back in front of a crowd or in, in front of a group. And that's going to take away from the fan base and it's going to impact uh, um, attendance. So I, I'll be surprised if they sell out this weekend, even though it's the Cardinal series, that Marlin series next week, I think is going to won't sell out. That's my guess. Um, but I, I, I'm excited that it's, it's coming back. Um, it's going to be great to see if Wrigleyville is going to be humming um, with excitement. I got to tell you, I was at four games um, in this last week and uh, we had the mask on a little bit for the, the Giants game. I was in the vaccinated section. We all took our masks off. I was in the Padres series, all three games in the vaccinated section. We all had our masks off. So it felt normal these games felt right. It's going to feel even more right once I'm able to go back to Wrigley at full capacity. All right. So let us move on now to the third inning, Chad, and some interesting comments from Crane Kenny, executive with the Chicago Cubs. He was on the score sports radio 670 and basically had said that this team was continuing to lose money, but the more that fans are able to come back and fill the stadium, 
it's going to allow the Cubs to kind of um, basically, you know, get back some of that lost revenue that they've had over the past year. So my question to you is pretty simple. Do you believe Craig Kenny when he says this franchise has has lost money over the last year and change? Isn't he such a good foil? I mean, isn't he just like the perfect foil for the, for the Ricketts and, and for Jed Hoyer to like trot out there and, and then the fans can kind of direct all their rage towards towards him, you know, as the business guy, kind of the guy, the carryover from the Tribune and the, even Zell kept him when he had him for a while. Um, you know, I think businesses, especially sporting uh, teams where you've got to keep your finances close to the vest, these you know, private companies, I think. If you're a smart businessman, you like to show a loss. You like to show expenditures. You like to show, you know, that you're not making tremendous profit, that you're going to be taxed on, or you're going to have some revenue hits or publicly it's going to hit you. So for me, I think um, I would be surprised if they have been losing money um, in the interim. But once they press go on Friday for the Cardinal series, the, all, the excuses are over. This team is going to be printing money um, with all of their properties around the park. Um, we're going to see much more normalcy, and we're going to see what I would expect to be one of the most profitable teams in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe him when he says this team has lost money because this team is printing money uh, for the past, you know, 15, 20 years. Now, maybe they're not making as much money as what they wanted to be making, but this team isn't losing money. They're making a profit. It's just not the profit that they were making in years past. And you know, this team is perfectly capable of going out and signing, you know, plenty of players for lots of money. But at the end of the day, it is a business and they are running it as such. And so they're going to try and, you know, do what they need to do to run it in a business capacity so that there is money that is being made at a profit. And, you know, unfortunately, that's just finances of baseball. But no, I, I don't believe when Crane Kenny sits there and pleads poverty because we are the third largest market in all of sports. And there is just no way that you can sit here and tell me the Cubs are losing money, but yet the San Diego Padres who are the 25th largest market can, you know, go out and sign an infield for over $750 million just doesn't make sense to me. All right, let's move on to the what anyway, in Rhino. We're in the we are in the fourth, fourth inning, Chad. Fourth yes. inning. Lost track for a second. That happens every now and then. Actually, I was toggling between screens. And um, so we've got some uh, well, some some controversy in this early part of the season, this COVID season. Uh, finally, there's uh, some uh, some excitement among the fan base. People like love and hate. And no, we're not talking about Eric Sogard. We're talking about the new City Connection. I don't know what they call them, but uh, the White Sox, they came out with very White Soxy colors, and it says the South Side. Um, the Cubs went neighborhood and had the Wrigley Field, Wrigleyville on the front of their jersey on the chest with a very interesting blue color scheme and, and, and cool hat, the whole thing. We're going to see it debuted Saturday um, versus the Cardinals. What do you think about uh, the new uh, City Connection uh jersey you know money grab by major league baseball and and uh, and the apparel companies i think this is a cool look actually maybe i'm in the minority with this but i like the color scheme i always liked the the carolina blue and i'm a big fan of navy blue and i mean i think that's great like they are wrigleyville i didn't want them to um duplicate what the white Sox had i didn't want their jerseys to say north side on it i just think that would have just kind of you know, been a ripoff of what the White Sox are doing. And I have to be honest, everyone's loving on the White Sox uniforms. And I, I know that this coming from me may not mean much, but 
I don't think the White Sox uniforms are all that great. I think everybody's in love with them. I mean, eh, to me, I wasn't a big fan. I, I think they're a little busy. I like this Cubs, you know, layout. I like the, the, the powder blue. I like the navy. It's a clean look. The hats are sharp. Um, I may have to purchase, uh, you know, a T-shirt, Chad. I, I may uh, go down that direction because I, I think this is kind of a sharp look. And this is probably, in my opinion, the, the coolest alternate unis I have seen this team wear um, in the last couple of years, at least. What about, what about you? This is not a brag. It's not a brag. I've got a lot more jerseys than you. I'm a grown man. That is not a brag. That's a sad statement. I have a lot of jerseys. So it takes yes. a lot to me for me to add to the, the, the collection. And the last one I added to the collection, which I thought is super cool, I haven't broken it out this year because it's not in the rotation up that high, are, were the Cubs Little League jerseys. I love the Little League series. I love the Cubbies. Yeah. Those were great. I love those. Very unique. Just love the look. This jersey won't make the cut. Um, the one before that, incidentally, was th- that I got was the Chris Bryant San Diego uh, Taco Bell Colors All Star Game jersey from 2016. That can that jersey, as we talked about on the live studio show a couple weeks ago, that confuses so many people. They're wondering if I'm like a Cubs fan who has uh, Padres uh, looks. It's an All Star jersey. People look on the back, look at the numbers. But now this jersey, I like the blue. I like it's a very unique collection of blue. I might get into a T-shirt, but I probably won't. I, I don't think that this will make the cut. I did like the way the hat looks. I want to see that in person. Um, but personally, they're not going to get any money out of me. And this uh, this Cubs team has gotten a lot of money out of me for merchandise. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've dug it, but I understand where you're coming from. I think it's a, it's a mixed bag, so to speak, in, in that regard. I like so- I like the Wrigleyville piece. I did like the Wrigleyville. Glad they didn't just go Northside or Northsiders. I think Wrigleyville is a great call out to that part of the community. And I think most Cubs fans, no matter where they are, are very proud to, to say that they, that, you know, that Wrigleyville has a play, special place in their heart. For sure. All right. So let us move on now, Chad, to the fifth inning. And one player who uh, we really haven't spoken a ton about, maybe a little bit. We got into this on Monday on the web show is the emergence of the Cubs new third baseman. And that being one. Patrick Wisdom, who is hitting, oh, 364 with eight home runs, 12, RB, yeah, 12 RBIs in a mere 16 games. Uh, eight home runs in 16 games. This guy has come out of nowhere. His OPS is out of sight. Um, it, it is remarkable to see what this guy has done and, you know, to know that he has been released from the St. Louis Cardinals organization. What do you think? the emergence of Patrick wisdom as the Cubs new third baseman. I have a couple thoughts on this. Not only was released by the Cardinals, the, the, the Cubs released him in February and then we're able to re-sign him because he cleared waivers because nobody wanted him, and he signed on to a minor league deal. Um, it's a bonkers story. I love it. That's one of the cool things about, about baseball. You don't see them. You'll see this in hockey where like, you know, the st- third string guy from a rec team is all of a sudden, you know, playing goalie. You know, that's not quite this with Patrick Wisdom, but you don't, nobody comes off the street to play NBA ball. Nobody comes off the street to play football. This is one of those things where he didn't come off the street. This guy's a lifelong minor leaguer that is all of a sudden like a Disney movie, the things that he's doing. I mean, you, you heard it from the team basically saying, what can we do to get Wiz up to the bat? Like, because he's just having this bonkers season. I loved watching all of his at-bats. They, Ross did a good job of keeping him in the lineup in San Diego because he's a local boy in San Diego. He's from nearby Marietta. It's about an hour away. And so he had some huge hacks, which is what he's been doing all season. Um, but he has uh, 
um, he definitely um, was swinging for the fences and, and just really wanted to connect um, each and, and every game. I got to see one of them. And, and he just he just not he doesn't cheat you on the swings. He absolutely comes up there with just an, an intention of hurting the ball. Yeah, I don't know if this is a situation where nobody knows how to pitch to this guy because they've never seen him before. But whatever the case, I mean, I'll tell you what, it's it's making it harder and harder for Chris Bryant to go back to third base right now because how can you take this guy out of the lineup? He's he's absolutely mashing the ball. Now, I do think there is part of this that he's going to come back to earth eventually. I, I can't imagine this guy is going to just continue to tear the cover off the ball like he has been. Listen, I, I'm not going to complain. I want him to continue to do so. But, I mean, like you said, what a great story. 29 years old, career minor leaguer, was bouncing around, you know, various organizations and has just kind of found his swing and has found a comfort level at the plate. And he has been a tremendous, tremendous story for a team, especially when they lost all these players that they did around the same time to the IL. So I I just would love to see him continue to, you know, to step up and, if it's a situation where Chris Bryant just plays the outfield, then so be it. I mean, I don't have a problem with that because if this guy is, you know, going to be the everyday third baseman, then, hey, that's that's one less issue the Cubs are going to have to deal with. We're going to get into that in just a second. What I loved about Patrick Rizzo, many things that I loved about him, but baseball has been played for a century and a half. And for a, for you to hear like this guy's, this has never been done. You know, the eight home runs in the first 40 at bats, you know, the, you know, the first, first X number of games in, in a, in a player's not career, just season for him to have a major league record is pretty outstanding. And you raise a great issue as we move into the sixth inning about injuries and moving people around and all the different interchangeable parts. I mean, let's be honest, we're not missing David Bodie right now because, because we've got wisdom at third and the versatility of Chris Bryant, be able to play all over the field. We've got Jay Hay back, um, which is actually kind of forcing David Ross's hands to play him. Um, but we still have a ton of injuries. This is not a full strength team on Wednesday versus the Padres missing most of the big four. Rhino, what do you think about all these injuries? And we've even added to it Alcantara. Um, I'm sorry, Alzale rather. Um, with the, the, the blister, which is never a good thing. You've lost him for a couple weeks. So many injuries. How is this team doing what they've been able to do since the start of May? It's pretty remarkable. And as you mentioned, you know, Javi's on the IL. Nico Horner's on the IL. Adzale is on the IL, who's just down there. Trevor Williams is on the IL. Justin Steele, Matt, Matt Duffy, uh, just to name some of the people, as you mentioned, Bodie. I, I mean, here's the issue I, I'm concerned with, Chad. The offense seems to have found its groove a little bit with, you know, the team, the, the players that Rossi's putting out there. I'm getting more and more concerned about the pitching and I'm getting more concerned about the starting rotation. Cause now we got two starting pitchers that are on the IL right now. And I don't know how long it'll be before Trevor Williams is able to return after having appendix surgery, but losing Alzale, who you can make the argument, maybe the most consistent pitcher on this team right now, when it comes to the starting rotation, I, I I'm a little concerned about the depth. Now, the Cubs did recall Cole Stewart, who had a, you know, a decent first start. But I, I don't know, Chad. I, I'm a little worried right now about how David Ross is going to plug in the holes for these four and five starter spots. And we've already seen Jayco down at one point. So that, to me, is the biggest issue as far as I'm concerned. What about you? 
Now, quick, quick aside. I've not seen this. I don't see Baez on the IL. I, I still think he's, he's he was available off the bench in San Diego. Yeah, he's day to day. Okay, so definitely yeah, not on the IL. It could be yeah. backdated if it goes into ten days because they get some of that 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 money back. But I'm less concerned, and the reason I'm less concerned, Ryan, is what you shared today about the injuries and pitchers going up and down. That was in existence in the end of April. That was in existence the entire month of May. And this is a team that has just overperformed and stepped up. You know, this bullpen is just incredibly lights out. We have a this Cubs team now has the ability. This was like the teams we used to face. The teams that when we get into the playoffs, we're like, God, we don't have that. This is a team where Jake Arrieta can give you a five, and your then your bullpen is just whoever is the guy they want to bring up there just shuts the other team down. So I hear you when you say that you know you're down another starting pitcher. Cole Franklin's coming back up. He gave you five good innings the last time. He's a great reclamation project um, in the Cubs, and they picked him up. I am not as concerned because this team has played so much better when they weren't at full strength, this team has played so much better when it was that next man up mentality. This, this, this team has played so much better when David Ross and, and Jed are playing all the chess pieces and they've been playing them really well. This team's really good. And as we record this right now, this team's in first place. And so I hear you on the, on the injuries, but is it making the players hungry? Is it making them more focused or is this just a really good team? And some of these guys are excited and, and licking their chops for, you know, this opportunity and they're taking advantage of it. And on top of that, as we praised last week, this pitching staff, this they've, they've been able to uncork some lightning in a bottle with this, this, uh, this, this crew. And some of these guys look like absolute world beaters. So color me impressed on how the team has been able to handle this. David Ross is still my manager of the year because of all of these injuries. Um, and let's see how it plays out, but you're right. The next, as we said, this month is going to be one of the toughest months in all of baseball, especially with some of these road trips. And uh, let's see how it plays out. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. You know, usually we have on somebody to talk Cubs baseball or somebody in the Chicago market or even the national market. Well, we're changing things up a little bit today. You know, youth sports is such a huge part of the fabric of what makes baseball so great you got to start somewhere well our next guest is part of a new organization to help officials in youth sports gain a better understanding of how to officiate better and on the other side of it how parents can play a better role in being more supportive of officials and make the game that much better we welcome in brenda hilton who is part of a group called officially human brenda welcome to the friendly confines how are you i'm great ryan thanks so much for having me on here um first of all huge huge cub fans and i'll tell you a quick little story when when uh, i grew up in central illinois and moved to chicago in 1990 and i'll be honest i didn't know the white Sox existed i had only <laughs> heard of the cubs in central illinois so you know it was either cubs or cards it was never really white Sox. so that's my that's my little baseball story. Well, it's funny you say that because that's actually a conversation my co-host Chad and I have because my partner Chad grew up in central Illinois as well. And he always said it was Cubs Cardinals, whereas someone like myself who grew up in the Chicagoland area, it was Cubs White Sox. So I, I understand that dichotomy for sure and, and kind of how it all breaks down. But I, I want to talk about the program and this group that you're a part of. It is called Officially Human. You can get more information at officiallyhuman.com. And you're also on Twitter. You can find Brenda on Twitter at 
Coffee Human. So make sure to check her out there. So first, let's start about what this program, Officially Human, is, what it's about, and how you got involved with it, Brenda. Sure. Thanks. Um, So I have spent the last 21 years in collegiate sports, and a lot of those years have been spent in the behind the scenes work of officiating. And I got to know the coordinators and I got to know officials of all sports and kind of found this. I was just very intrigued with what goes into a become an official B why do they keep officiating, especially at, you know, the youth and high school level. And then you get to the collegiate level and um, it seems like fans are even more vile, but they're getting paid a little bit more, more money. So it's, it's kind of, um, you know, people say, well, we can be mean to those officials, but um, I just was very intrigued by the whole system. And in 2018, I was like, boy, oh boy, something's got to be done about the treatment of these officials. And we knew that there was, there was not a great pipeline of officials coming up through the system. So in 2019, I, I founded Officially Human Behind the Stripes, and it's a grassroots effort to humanize sport officials at all levels. But Our focus really is at the youth and high school level because that is kind of where bad habits start. And if we feel like if we can get to that level of parents and fans and get them to understand that, hey, if we can treat people better at this level, then it should just resonate on through high school and and college. And, you know, we, we take life way too seriously anyway. So let's try to let's try to bring the fun back into youth sports. I, I know you focus on all sports that have officiating, but let me kind of just break it down to baseball, if I can, when it comes to umpiring. And I'm sure, you know, you have witnessed um, situations with maybe overzealous parents in the crowd dealing with their kids or getting on umpires. Is there any examples that you can give that you remember specifically that maybe you yourself were involved in or you saw from other parents that, you look back on and say, that is just not appropriate behavior and it needs to stop. Well, I I can tell you that I get quite a few videos each week on very varying sports. Baseball seems to be one of those that's really, really hard because you can stand right behind the umpire and yell and scream scream at him or her. And there's a situation from it's probably last summer where the umpire just walked off the field because, and this was a, a, a man probably in his fifties and nobody defended him. Not, not, a, not another parent, not a fan, not a child, obviously a child may not defend him, but I mean, he had had it. And so now he walks off the field and the game is ended because there's nobody umpire. Well, that is happening more and more across the country. And it's interesting, Ryan, because baseball I've learned more about baseball in the last year because Florida continues to build these mega complexes to become kind of the, the go-to place for these baseball. Don't have the umpires to work them. And my contacts in the umpire world in Florida are very, very concerned because there's, there's just not the people to work them. Yeah, that can be scary for sure. What You know, I feel like this is something that we've been hearing about for such a long time, Brenda. What do you feel like is not changing when it comes to, you know, because I feel like there have been messages out there of, of, you know, people recognizing this is a problem. 
what do you feel like is not changing structurally from the messaging of parents and what maybe is your organization officially human trying to do to kind of rectify that behavior? So when, when officially human was founded, that was one question that everybody that we talked to, and I, and I'm not kidding, Ryan, I would talk to anybody that would talk to me about officiating and this problem. And everybody asked me, how are you going to monetize officially human? And I wasn't so focused on officially monetizing it as I was to find a solution. So the first thing we did was we worked with the National Federation of High Schools and got contacts from them at all the high school associations across the country. And we worked with 15 states and did a survey of the high school officials. Well, that survey returned 19,000 responses. So we knew that, okay, they want a voice. They want to be heard. What are some of the things that we could take away from that? So we took the key takeaways from the survey and we worked with field experience and we developed kind of, a, I don't want to call it an education series, but it's kind of an aware, awareness series that puts parents, fans, coaches, administrators through a, a series of short videos, three to four minutes to get through them. And it just talks about the sport ecosystem and, and what happens, you know, how does somebody become an official? Why do they continue to officiate? Why, why do we have to change the treatment of officials and what happens if we don't? And then the very last section is what is everybody's role in the sport ecosystem? And we feel like if we can continue to push that message and we can have awareness across the country, we can make a difference. We, we will make a difference. That, that, is, that is the ultimate, ultimate goal. And that's my true belief that if we can just keep talking about this and keep raising awareness and have signage and banners that you walk into a baseball tournament and you see officially human and you say, oh, wait, who is that? What are they about? Oh, yeah, I went through their Elevate Respect program. It's all about awareness because you can watch a PSA, you can sign a, a, a um, code of conduct, but you sign that code of conduct at the very beginning of the season and you file it away and that's it. Now, if you have visuals that you have to see all the time, it might resonate. That's my, that's my psychology in me. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. With that being said, is there a concern that we're seeing a dip in the number of people that are going out to officiate games, whether that, you know, be, let's use baseball as an example. Are we, are we seeing a decrease in people, um, you know, wanting that opportunity because of all the pressure that people get from fans and parents alike? Well, I can tell you from, from our survey, from the 19,000, um, a staggering stat that was very scary to us is that only 12% of the 19,000 respondents were under the age of 34. Mm. 55% of them, uh, I want to make sure I'm correct on that, 55% of them were over the age of 55. Now, there was another stat, and I want to say it's, it's in the 50% range, that said they will not be officiating in six years. That's a 2019 survey. We are now at 2021. We had to deal with COVID. A lot of the, the aging officials did not come back. So that, that percentage is probably even higher. I don't have stats on that. That's a, that's a guess. I think it's probably a really good guess. So now you've coupled all that together 
and we are truly in a crisis for youth sports. And it, it's like 80, 70 to 80% officials don't come back after two years because they don't want to do it. Hmm. That's, that's unbelievable stuff. We're talking with Brenda Hilton. She's part of the group Officially Human. They're a program advocating for sports officials, including umpires at the youth level. And their initiative is also called Elevate Respect. You can find more information at officiallyhuman.com. And Brenda is on Twitter. You can find her at Offie Human. So let me ask you this, Brenda, as a uh, parent who has children and, you know, you were involved on the youth sports scene, what recourse do parents or, you know, people in the stands have as far as dealing with a parent that might be getting aggressive with an umpire or an official um, when their child is playing in a youth sport? Yeah, Ryan, that's, that's a great question. And we, we talk about that a lot. I think one of the things that, that we believe is you, you have more reminders. So you go through the Elevate Respect, you have Officially Human and Elevate Respect banners and stuff, banners and signage around your venues. And then the organizations themselves, they probably need to figure out the best way, you know, is it a text message? that they send to administration that says, Hey, you know, we're at this at at field 26 in Lombard, Illinois, and there's a, there's an unruly parent here. How do we uh, address that? Because that, that has helped, I think some collegiate and pro sports arenas where, Hey, it's kind of an anonymous thing. And they just say what section they're in and, and somebody comes and checks on things. It's very hard because nobody wants to police it. Um, I don't, I, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's not that nobody wants to police it. It's that these organizations, they have so many games going on that they can't have somebody at every single field or court all the time. And our thanks to Brenda Hilton of Officially Human. Really appreciate her taking the time. Some very interesting stuff about kind of how to engage Uh, young people to become officials, not just umpires, but in sports in general. You can find out more information about what she is doing at officiallyhuman.com. So be sure to check out that program and what their mission is all about. You can find Chad and I, and of course you can find Brenda on uh, Twitter as well, at Human. You can find Chad and I on Twitter. I am at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon. You can also find us on our Facebook page, That is the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. We would love for you to join and join the conversation as well about all things that we talk about, about Cubs baseball as we start the eighth inning. Real quick thing, and also you can go to theconfines.com, sign up for our newsletter, and it'll let you know when we drop new content. I was perusing during the interview, I was perusing the the Wikipedia page for uh, Patrick Wisdom, the NL player of the week past Patrick Wisdom. His picture is still the Nashville Sounds, and his thumbnail is still a picture of the Texas Rangers. So (laughs) I just find that amazing, one of the best stories in baseball. (laughs) And they're not even up up to speed on that. So let's move into the eighth inning. And, oh, man, this is really, really interesting. We keep hearing about it, broadcasters, JD especially. If you're listening to that, keep talking about the sticky substance or the sticky situation major league baseball has found themselves in. It is, it's an open secret. It is. I'd be surprised if every single pitcher isn't doing something spin rates, velocity, all those things have changed dramatically. Even since last year, 
Rhino, this whole situation with foreign substances, I mean, that, you know, that used to be something I think baseball policed more often. Do you think baseball cares? Is this something where um, that baseball is turning a blind eye? And is this something that should be fixed in, in, in a way to bring pitching back down to earth and, and offense back up? The answer is yes. And this, this, this reminds me so much of, you know, I know people don't want to make the comparison, but it does kind of remind me a little bit to some degree of when steroids were all the rage and the offensive numbers were just out of control um, only because baseball did the same thing. They turned a blind eye to it. They knew it was happening, but they did not care. And this is kind of similar. Look, we always knew that there are substances within the game. This has been going on for hundreds of years. That's, that's not an issue, but at some point, there needs to be, you know, a, a, a line drawn in the sand to say, this is what you can and cannot do. And this is what we need to do. We all know, you know, that there are advantages that every team is going to try to do to, you know, get an edge. We saw it with the Astros when it came to stealing signs and, you know, obviously with steroids and now with, you know, putting substances on the baseball when it comes to certain substances. And yeah, I mean, it's just, the averages are down people as much as people love seeing a good pitching duel. I'm one of them. I don't like seeing pitching duels when a pitcher is throwing five innings and then the bullpen's doing the rest, you know, offense needs to be up. I want to see better averages. I don't want to see 300 strikeouts in a season from players. Let's try to average the playing field and kind of even it up again, because for me, it's, it's just not as enjoyable when you're just seeing a, major advantage from one part of the game compared to another. So for me, I I hope that they're able to kind of legislate this and, and figure something out. What about you? A really interesting story came out with Pete Alonzo from the Mets, basically saying that major league baseball has been manipulating, manipulating the baseball year in and year out based upon the free agency class, which is that is quite a conspiracy theory. If that is true, it, it, it'd be incredible. But then also just to say they're trying to tamp down the offensive numbers. If you think about it, there's only one Trevor Bauer typically a year, but there could be six or seven or a dozen sluggers and they get paid for production. So that is, that's quite a story. Um, and I, I don't think we can really tap into that too much, but just know that's out there. And the Players Association believes that. At least Pete Alonzo spoke to say, hey, this is a a known secret that Major League Baseball is always trying to kind of tamp down the numbers. Um, In terms of the stickiness, I know a lot of players want some stickiness. Every batter um, wants that pitcher, no matter the conditions, to have um, some level of control so those 99-mile-an-hour fastballs aren't hitting in the head. I mean, so that I appreciate that. They don't want the – the guys, you know, the, the ball flying loose out of their hands. But what's happening now in the 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 in, in intensity of the spin rate, um, the increase, whether it's top line guys. I mean, Trevor Bauer got paid because his his spin rate and his velocity changed so dramatically. And typically that doesn't happen because you're drinking a couple extra protein shakes. It's something you're doing differently. Um, I don't know what you do. I think baseball tried to do something where that you saw a flurry of like 10 day suspensions where they cracked down in, in minor league baseball. I mean, if you are going to fix it, that's a good place to start. Um, but yeah, if baseball starts targeting specific players, um, that could be problematic. Um, if they come out and they tell all the players, listen, over the next two weeks, 
we're going to be doing glove checks and hat checks. We're just going to be doing it because it is a check the rule book. It's illegal. And then we'll see if the velocity will go down. We'll see if it impacts things. But I, I, I agree with one piece of what you shared. Offense does strikeouts need to be tamped down and offense needs to pick up a little bit. I, I didn't feel like watching the last three Padre games, for instance, we had a pitcher's duel, but it was a three, one pitcher's duel. It was fantastic. It wasn't a, um, a, you know, record strikeouts, but it was a lot of really well-placed pitches by two great, great starting pitchers in Darvish and Arietta. Um, and offensively it was a great three, one game. Um, I, I kind of wish going to that game was going to be one, nothing. Give me like a, a, a two hitter, one, nothing classic between these guys where they go the distance, but they don't do that anymore. Um, the last two games had a tremendous amount of offense. Uh, and so that tells me that, it really depends on the impact of it, but on some of the highlight top level pitchers, it has a tremendous impact and it is keeping a lot of batters at bay. All right. So let's finish up now, Chad, in the ninth inning and the all-star game is moving. We're going to be seeing the all-star game in Denver, Colorado in the very near future of July. And so um, we're getting close, Chad. My question to you is who, in your opinion, are surefire bets? for the uh, Cubs to make the all-star game. It's so frustrating to say this, but I don't know if there's a surefire bet unless Cubby nation gets excited about this team in a way where it drives them to the website where they start really going to town. And I think that maybe could start right now with this Cardinal series where more fans are going to be in the stands and they'll be driven to vote. It was all over Petco park to like, you know, text here to vote in Manny. You can vote three times or five times a day. Rather the challenge this team has is the best player in baseball. Chris Bryant doesn't have a position. And so nobody that sees him, you know, listed at third base, thinks of him as a third baseman right now because he's not playing third base and you've got other options at third base and Cardinals nation is definitely going to come out for their third baseman shortstop. Javi has has, uh, had such a slow start. People may think about that, but he's starting to pick up. Javi used to just be a surefire guy that you could just count on because of his name recognition alone. Rizzo's a fan favorite, but there's a ton of first basemans out there um, that, 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 that slot in. And from an outfield perspective, your outfield is probably it's Jock Peterson and Happ and, and uh, Jay Hay listed on the ballot. So it's, it's, it's a challenge. I, you know, from, you know, Wilson Contreras, I think might be the best bet um, to go in just because he's somebody that's recognizable um, Wilson and, and Javi, but uh the challenge with this team, all the injuries, um, and Chris Bryant playing all over the field, it's just it. nobody really has owned a position on this Cubs team despite the fact they're in first place. Yeah, I mean, I think this is pretty easy. I, I mean, for me, even if they don't get voted in as a starter, um, I, I think it's pretty obvious Chris Bryant is going to make the team, and I think Craig Kimbrell is going to make the team. I think those are the guys that ultimately are going to – get a roster spot. They may not start, as you said, uh, clearly Crimble is not going to start, but um, yeah, the league is, or, or major league baseball as a whole is taking stock in what Chris Bryant is doing. And while he does play everywhere, I think he's going to be on the ballot as a third baseman. So there is oh, yes, a strong yes. possibility that he is going to get a majority of votes, not just from Cubs fans, but from, I think it's pretty recognizable to see what he has done in a Cubs uniform um, over the course of the last few months. So for my money, I, I'm going to go with Bryant and Kimbrell. I think it's that those guys certainly earned it and deserve it if they continue to go up the ladder the way that they are. Um, so that that's for my money, whether they are starters 
or rather Chris is a starter or he's picked as a reserve. He's definitely making the team in some capacity. You, you know what I want? I want this team to get snubbed. I want them to get one pick. I don't want any pitchers in there. I don't want to waste any bullets from the pitchers. I want this team to get snubbed and I want them to come out of the all-star break with a huge chip on their shoulder. That's kind of what I want. Yeah. Well, we may get our wish. We'll have to see how it plays out, but with up on this edition of the friendly confines, once again, our thanks to Brenda Hilton from officially human for Chad. I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next time. Everybody have a good one. See you at the ballpark, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field The first time you walk into Wrigley